You are listening to the podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. A couple of things before we get started. You'll notice on today's audio that the audio is slightly different than from weeks past. We have recently moved into a new part of the building where we meet. And so we will not be using microphones or amplification for a little while. So the audio might sound a little bit different to you. Also, uh, we are concluding our toothbrush and toothpaste drive. Our goal was 600 toothbrushes and 600 tubes of toothpaste for the month of September as we are partnering with a local public school here in New Orleans to bless the kids there with, uh, with these items. And we're happy to say that we scored over 600 toothbrushes and we are very close to our toothpaste goal. So if you would still like to give this last week, please feel free to do so. You can contact us on our Facebook page. Today we're going to be looking in the book of Luke. We're going to be looking at the beautiful humanity of Peter the Apostle. And we will be moving through as Jesus begins to explain to Peter about his limitedness, his weakness, his ordinariness, and just how pleased Jesus is at the fact that Peter is fully human, a human being who must rely on the power of the Spirit. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy this. Tonight, uh, we're going to look together in the scriptures. That, uh, we're going to go. We're going to pop, uh, hop around and look at a number of different scriptures. Uh, I'm really encouraged and excited about what I think the Holy Spirit is is saying for us as a community of faith tonight. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians, there's this passage where Paul writes, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. The way it's written in the message, that was the NIV, the way it's written in the message, is that it says that God put all of the wrong on Jesus, who never did anything wrong, so that we could be put right with God. This passage, when Paul begins talking about this, he's talking about what it actually looks for us to be in right standing with God. And this is, this is a huge thing, because there are so many people who, who walk around these days, and, and many in this room, just trying so often to figure out, how am I doing with God? How am I doing with God? How am I doing with God? And, and Paul has really addressed this uh, for followers of Christ, for those who have been filled with the spirit of the living God. He says, listen, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to, to be sin, like to, to take it all upon himself so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here's, in a very simple way, here's what this means. You will never be more righteous in the eyes of God than you are right now. And, and we hear that phrase and sometimes people say, no, 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 I mean, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to, you know, everything's going to be taken care of and I'll stand before God and then, you know, God will look upon me with, with favor and with love and with mercy, and, you know, but no, no, no. What, what Paul is saying is that that has already taken place. God looks upon you favorably. God looks upon you now, today. And when God looks upon you, those who are filled with the living spirit of God. When God looks upon you, God sees a reflection 
of Jesus. God sees a reflection of you here and now. This is what, when God looks at Christian, he looks at Christian and says, amazing. Like I see a reflection of myself because I have made you, God has made you righteous in his sight through Christ Jesus. This is what has already taken place. God will never love you any more than he does right now. It's not possible for God to love you any more than he does right now. It's also not possible for God to love you any less because he's God and he has figured this thing out in amazing ways. Now, the reason I want to look at this tonight for us for just a little while is because as human beings, and I think this is completely understandable, but when we make good decisions and when we go the right way, we have this tendency to feel much better about ourselves, do we not? Okay, so, <laughs> no, it's, it's interactive, Beverly, thank you. That's, it was a question. So, <laughs> so, we make a good decision, we go in a direction that we think, uh, you know, it pleases us, we think it pleases God, therefore, I feel better about myself when I feel better about myself. I feel better about my faith when I feel better about my faith. I feel better about my connection to God when I feel better about my connection to God. I think God feels better about his connection to me. This is, this is how we operate as human beings. Uh, go the other direction. When we make a poor decision, do we make poor decisions? Yes. Uh, yes. You know, so, <laughs> when, we, when we make a poor decision, we don't feel so great about ourselves. And when we don't feel so great about ourselves, watch how this works. We don't feel so great all of a sudden about our faith. When we don't feel great about our faith, we don't feel very good about our connection with God. When we don't feel very good about our connection with God, we oftentimes feel that God must not feel very good about his connection with us. And there is this cycle that we go through. And what this ends up leading us to is it ends up leading us into a very superstitious view of God. It leads us into a very religious understanding of God. It's, a, it's this quid quo pro kind of thing with God is when I do good by God, God is good with me. And when I don't do good by God, then I, I need to figure out a way to make God good by me again to where we can come into some type of connection and, 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 and be at peace with one another again. And so, we find ourselves often trying to be something other than human. Something other than human. And here's what I mean. We oftentimes will see ourselves as though and almost begin to think that we should not make mistakes. Like, you know, we just, you know, I, I should be better than this by now. I have faith in God and God has forgiven me and, and whatever, whatever kind of lingo you've been taught, I've been taught growing up, you know, but, but I should be better than this by now. I, you know, this particular mistake, I shouldn't make this type of mistake anymore. I should be better than this by now. I, I should be more super, superhero-ish than this by now. I should be a better Christian than this by now. I should have stronger faith than this by now. And blah, 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 blah. Have you ever been caught in that? I mean, I just, yeah. And, and what this does is it, again, it leads us down this path of, of trying to work our way into good graces with God. Because ultimately what I think we're really fighting is we're trying to work our way back into good graces with ourselves. I mean, I truly believe that we are our own worst enemies when it comes to this kind of stuff. 
but here, here's the bottom line. And I think it's a beautiful bottom line. You and I are human beings. And I rejoice in the fact that we are human beings. But here is something that you must understand about a human being. Human beings are limited. Human beings are weak. Human beings are ordinary. Now, when we hear these words, uh, weak, limited, and ordinary, we have a tendency in our, with our Western mindset to think that these are bad things. Like, to be limited, that's not good. I don't want to be limited. <laughs> to be weak, that's not good. I don't want to be weak. I want to be strong, uh, ordinary. Who wants to be ordinary? We want to be extraordinary. That's what we want as human beings. And yet, isn't it interesting that Paul says, listen, you know, Christ is made strong through what? Through our strength, right? Wrong. <laughs> through our weakness. Christ is made strong through our, it's, it's in our weakness that Christ is like elevated, that Christ is able to, the Spirit of God empowers us to, to, to be the people that God's called us to be, but it's not on our own strength, it's out of our own weakness. And, and yet we spend all of our time trying to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and trying to be stronger so that, so that what? So that we can feel good about ourselves, so that God can feel good about us. God, it's a good thing you have me, you know, because I make all these great decisions. You know, you see, it's all backwards. It's, I mean, it's completely backwards so there's this beautiful thing about being limited there's an amazing thing about being weak there's this thing that i find that in making mistakes it's it's really kind of kind of cool because it doesn't shape who god is there's a beautiful thing about being ordinary because it's in our ordinariness that we get to experience god in ways that that we simply can't when we're picking ourselves up by the bootstraps, trying to be something other than what God's created us to be. There's this story. Let's um, look at, if you have your Bible, you can open over to uh, Luke chapter 22 is where we'll be for just a minute. So in, the, in this passage in Luke, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And uh, this is... This is one of the most interesting, truly uh, for me, one of the almost most interesting stories that's going on. Because as Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Luke 22, let's see here. It's after the Last Supper, and I'm going to pick up in verse 31. Jesus looks at the disciples, and he says to Peter and the other disciples, he says, Listen, Simon, Simon known as Peter, he says, Satan has asked to sift all of you, all of you disciples, he's asked to sift all of you, as wheat and jesus says but listen i'm praying for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back that you might be able to strengthen your brothers so first a quick word about testing and i have I, you know just as reading scholars and different theologians about this idea of god testing different scholars land in different places I land in a particular place, and you don't have to agree with where I land. You can land on the other end or somewhere else, and that's, that's all good. But I can only teach this from the perspective of, of where, where I personally land. I personally do not believe that God tests us. I do not believe that God sets forth traps and or tests to see how we're going to respond. The reason I, I, I don't believe that is... It, for one reason, it's the way I read scripture. For another reason is I don't ever, um, I don't have it in my heart to test my children. 
my own personal children to see how they will respond. You know, I just, I just, I don't have it within me to, to do that. Now, what I do believe is that we are tested all of the time. I believe that we're tested all of the time. See, what I find interesting is that Jesus says, Simon Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. To me, this says that, listen, there is, there's a whole kingdom out there, a kingdom of darkness. And as long as we live on the planet and the kingdom of darkness is at work, there are going to be things that come along in our lives that are plain and simple going to test our faith. Darkness is going to come up against us, and we're going to bump up against stuff left and right. In uh, earlier passages in the book of Luke, it says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. But once Jesus was in the desert, the Holy Spirit didn't test Jesus. Once again, the enemy, the powers of darkness, the Satan came to test Jesus. Uh, in the book of Job, that's a, that's a book we use often, you know, and we see that Job's family dies and Job's animals die and Job gets sick and uh, houses collapse and all, he loses all of his stuff. And depending on how we read the book of Job, you could almost read it as though God was doing these things. But if you really press into and read what's really going on, it's the powers of darkness that are bringing these things upon Job. What I also believe is that God will use anything that comes into our lives as opportunities to form us and to shape us and to mold us and to make us more into Christ-like beings. And so, listen again to what Jesus says. He says, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you all like wheat. That's what Satan's going to do. Listen to what Jesus says. But I, I am praying for you. I'm praying for you. So that your faith may not fail. So that your faith may not fail. And I, I, I believe that that is what, what Jesus would say to us today. He says, listen, the powers of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, is al it's, it's alive and well. And there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the world today. And there are going to be things that are going to come up against you. There are going to be illnesses that come up against you. There, there's going to be uh, times where, uh, you know, you're going to experience, uh, some of you, not, not, not many of us, depending on it, you'll experience racism, you'll experience sexism, you'll experience various different things in your life, you'll experience financial difficulties, you'll experience a whole slew of things. But when these things happen, I think it's incredibly important that we, we recognize, you know, in my experience, this is, is God doing this to me? Or is this happening as a result of the world that I live in? And what is God actually doing? God's actually praying. Jesus is actually praying for us. Jesus is on your side. And what was that passage from Romans uh, that was, well, I, I misplaced right now. But it was amazing. Where is it? Who has it? Do you think anyone's going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Who would try to drive a wedge between that? Would Christ try to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? No. Who would try to drive that wedge? Well, darkness, the enemy, Satan. But Paul goes on to say, but even when darkness tries, it doesn't matter. It's hard times, hatred, hunger, homelessness, bullying, threats, backstabbing. Even the worst sins listed in Scripture, even the worst sins that you could commit, won't drive a wedge between you and Christ's love for you. Because Christ has made you the righteousness of God. It's a done deal. 
now we move about in life because of this love of God. That's, that's what propels us forward. I don't, I don't live a life uh, of trying to seek God to make God approve of me. I, I, I live my life of, of moving in the things of the kingdom and the spirit because Christ already approves of me. Because I've already been accepted. I've already been loved. And so, Jesus says to Peter, this is what's going to happen. But I'm going to pray for you. And what does Peter say? Peter says, Jesus, I'm ready to go with you to prison and even go to death. And so, get the picture in your head and maybe use yourself because that's, that's how I best see it. Jesus says, listen, Brian, this is... You know, this stuff's going to come your way, but I'm praying for you. And Peter says, no, 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 Jesus. Brian says, no, 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 Jesus. I mean, I, like, I, I'm for you, Jesus, and I, I'm not going to screw this up. I'm, I've, I've got this. Don't, you don't even have to worry about me. And Jesus says, no, Peter, you don't get it. Like, you're going to screw this up. No, I'm not. Yes, no, yeah, no. And Jesus, Jesus really pins him after this. He says, look, I'll tell you, here's what's going to happen. Before the rooster crows today, three times you will deny me. Three times you'll deny me. So Peter's got this confidence. Well, what's his confidence in? His confidence is in himself. I mean, his confidence is, no, I've got this. I can handle this. Jesus, you can trust me. <laughs> you can trust me. I love that. And Peter, I, I, you know, I look at this. I think Peter has built his relationship with Jesus. And, and keep in mind, we talk about having a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus. I mean, G Peter and Jesus were like this. I mean, these, they were like physical friends, okay? They're like here. But Jesus has built this friendship, this relationship, on his assumed capacity to do, to do good. On his assumed capacity to make Jesus proud of him because of the things that he does right. And, not, and because of the things that he does not do wrong. So he's leaning on his own understanding. But Jesus says to Peter, no, you're going to mess up. So what if I just what if I just said to you right now, uh, the word of the Lord to you is. And I'm serious. The word of the Lord to you is you're going to mess up. Like you're going to mess it up. You know, like a lot of time my prayer is, oh, God, let me not mess this up. And I really mean it. But what if what if what if the general word of the Lord to you is you're, you're going to mess up? You're not going to mess up all the time. You won't mess up everything, but you're going to mess this up. And then what if the word of the Lord to you is, and the whole time you're going through it, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that your faith would not be shaken. I'm praying for you so that when you come out on the other side, you will be formed and you will be shaped and you will be molded and, and, and you, will, you will be more mature than when you went into it. It's almost as though Jesus expects Peter to fail more than Peter expects himself to fail. And I think it's because Jesus understands that he made Peter, and Peter is a human being who is limited, who is weak, and who is ordinary. And Peter was trying to do something in his own power, apart from this, this connection with God. So let's, let's think in very practical terms. How do you, how do you connect with God? Because we can turn this into a religious affair. We can turn it into a superstitious affair. And what does it look like in your own, in your own life? You know, for me, it used to be, um, and this is a popular example for me, but I used to, I used to shout off or, or utter off airplane prayers very quickly before the plane would take off. 
if you, if you want to know if your relationship and if your connection with the Spirit of God is based in some form of religiosity or some, for, some form of superstition, just begin to even critique your prayer life. You know, because what would happen for me is we'd be on the runway and I would realize, man, I haven't, I haven't prayed. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't asked God to forgive me for whatever sins I feel like I might have committed between this flight and the last flight or whatever it might be. You know, and so, dear God, please make sure you just keep this airplane in the air for us today. You know, so I would utter the prayer and I, I, I make light of this, but this was a real thing for me. You know, and then it's like, well, you know, what if you don't do it? I, you know, would God really? I mean, well, you didn't pray before, and so maybe now we'll, we'll take down the plane. Or what if, what if I did utter off my prayers, but what if the person next to me forgot to utter off theirs? I mean, now do I have to pay for, for their lack of, of ability to pray superstitiously? Or what if I didn't do it? What, would God take down the plane and all these other people because I forgot to utter off my superstitious prayer? Do you see how this works? Or, or, or what, about, you know, what about praying for my kids at night? You know, I mean, if I, if I fall asleep before I, I pray for my kids. Or what if I fall asleep while praying for my kids, which is more my MO? You know, I mean, because as soon as I lay down, like I pretty much, and Lord, and, and then I wake up around 3 o'clock and I continue whatever that was. You know, but, but I mean, it, how does that work? I mean, do, now, I mean do, my, do my kids pay the price? Because I, you know, I, you know or... or I, are you connecting with this? I, critique, just, and I don't mean critique in a mean way, but just give yourself a, a, a kind of study critique on how you go about even praying. I believe we, we begin to see. And, and so, the most beautiful thing, once again, is that I understand that I am limited, I am weak, I am ordinary. The most beautiful thing that I've come to understand about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about God the Father, is that God's not this magical magician that just floats about in the sky, bowing down to my every prayer and my every whim. I think the most beautiful gift that God has given us is that God became flesh and blood, that God became flesh and blood in Jesus. He actually walked this life with us. He's actually come into the, the, the turmoil. He's actually come into the pain. He's actually come into the whole of life. He's taken on human form, and he has said, listen, here's what I want to give to you. I want to give to you my presence, so that no matter what you go through, I want you to know that I am with you. Like, that's what I want to give to you. I want to give you my presence, so that when you go through rejection, when you go through bullying, when you go through um, um, uh, financial crisis, when you go through uh, unemployment, when you go through all these things, listen, you know, I... I'm with you. Like, this is my gift to you. I go with you through this. And when you go through it, I want you to know that I'm present. I want you to know that I, I'm shaping you. I'm forming you. I want you to cry out. I want you to pray. I, I want to be able to, to intervene and act on your behalf. And at the same time, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that your faith, this is why he prayed for Peter, that your faith would not fail. And what is faith? Faith is confidence. Faith is hope. Faith in that God loves you. Faith that God is good. Faith that God is trustworthy with your life. Yeah, but what if he doesn't answer my prayer the way I want him to answer my prayer? Well, that's not what makes God good. What makes God good and what makes God beautiful is that God is with us. And that God is for us. And that God is trustworthy so that regardless of how 
whatever the outcome is, God still passionately loves us, and there's nothing that can separate us from this love. That's what he's saying to Peter. I'm praying that once you screw up, because you're going to, that when you come out on the other side, Peter, I'm praying that you will not think that I love you any less. I am praying that you will still trust that I am good and that I love you and that even in your denying me, I don't think any less of you. What? I mean, could you imagine denying like Jesus, the actual person? And then what, what happens here? And this is how you can... You can um, Peter does deny. In the very next couple of verses, Peter does deny. In chapter 2, verse 61, it says that after, Jesus, or after Peter had denied Jesus three times, it says they were taking Jesus away, and it says the Lord turned and he looked straight at Peter. Might that not have been the most haunting experience? No, I don't know that guy. No, no, he's not my best friend. No, I don't. I've never eaten dinner with that man. And it says that Jesus turned as they were dragging him away and he locked eyes with Peter. And I, I can't even, I mean, just pierce the soul. So how good is Jesus? How good is Jesus? Well, in the book of John, this is how, this is how we'll move into prayer tonight for one another. But in the book of John, it says that Jesus has now come back from the dead. And he goes to the beach to eat fish with his friends, with the disciples. And it says that after Jesus and the disciples had finished eating together, Jesus looks at Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, I just, I kind of, my, my imagination kind of takes me to this place. Peter just kind of being like, because because why why would peter I, you know like because jesus I, oh my gosh you looked i remember the night you looked at me i mean like your eyes pierced my soul and i i don't even know if they're i don't think i can muster up enough of an apology like i don't even know what to say and you're it's like you're ignoring what happened jesus there's an elephant in the room it's right there and you're like peter do you love me it's like yeah i do i i really do you're my you're my best friend i I love you. He says, well, then feed my sheep. He does it again. Peter, do you love me? Yes, yes, you know, I love you. Well, then take care of, of my people. And finally, he says it again. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Jesus, you know everything. You know my heart. You know how much pain I'm in. You know how sorry I am about this. You know what's going on. I love you. And so Jesus says, I know. Feed my sheep. Follow me. This feed my sheep thing is a big deal because Jesus has sheep. Jesus has a, a mission. Jesus is like, look, I'm a really good shepherd and I've got a lot of people that I love and a lot of people that I'm caring for and I've got a lot of people around the whole planet that need to know that I am a wonderful, beautiful, amazing king full of mercy and love and grace and, and, and favor and forgiveness and people need to know it and so Peter I want to entrust these very people to you I know you love me and you know what Peter I knew you were going to deny me 
And you know what else? I'm okay with it. Because you're a human being, and you're limited, and you're weak, and you're ordinary, and here's what I'm inviting you to. Be filled with my life, and get busy following me. Don't forget how much I love you. Don't forget how much passion I have for you. With all of your weakness, with all of your fear, with all of your limitations, church, you, me, with all of your stuff, with all of your junk, with all of your shame, with all of your brokenness, with all of your, I can't believe I screwed this up. You, church, me, with all of the stuff that we have. Jesus says, I can handle it. I, I, can, I can handle it. I can, you, can, I, you, you can trust me, Jesus. And he invites us into this place of being reconciled and understanding that, you know what? I don't have to be superstitious. I don't have to work my way into God feeling good about me. Your biggest battle is going to be working your way into feeling good about yourself. That's going to be your biggest battle. But I, I really believe the more we can experience this the depths of this love that Christ has for us, the more we will start to move and ebb and flow and we will look at our own failures, we will look at our own weaknesses and maybe we'll begin to have a little bit more grace on ourselves and mercy for ourselves and say, oh, dang it. Okay, let's move forward. Like, let's move forward. Spirit of God, fill me, move me, empower me. I started taking, as I, this is my last story, I started, uh, there's a girl in our church, she's not here tonight, but she teaches yoga. And uh, on Monday mornings, I've been going to her yoga class. And yoga is really hard. It's like, <laughs> it's like this thing, and I'm going like, oh dear God, this is painful. And there are, uh, there's this one pose that we get in, I don't know, it's called, called like some pigeon thing or something, I don't even know. But we're, we're all like cattywampus on the floor. And everyone else looks graceful. Except for me. And she says, the, the teacher, she says, now listen. She says, one of the things that we really want to do is we want to learn to extend grace to ourselves. And she says, so if you find yourself in a position this morning and it hurts and it's painful and and." You feel like you're going to die. Those are my words, she, not hers. But you feel, you feel as though you can't go. She goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn this morning to extend yourself some grace. And so if that position hurts, then go to a position that feels okay. And then she says, because as we learn to extend grace to ourselves, we will become, we will become better at extending grace to other people. I was like, oh. So I spent the rest of the class in like the easy pose. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to learn to extend myself some grace here. I think the same is true here. I, I, I believe this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, listen, Peter, I don't need another rock star. I don't need another superhero. Peter, I'm the one who's saving the planet, I'm the one who's reconciling the world. I'm inviting you to get in on it. I'm inviting you to be where you are. 
And I'm inviting you to be shaped and formed and molded along the way. And you know what? You're going to be different just by the fact that the presence of the Spirit of God dwells within you. You're going to be different three years from now than you are today. You're, because the Spirit of God is alive and well within you. But you know what? You're not going to be today where you will be in three years. And so just be now. Be here. Be right here. Extend yourself some grace. When you recognize that the Spirit of God brings something to light in your heart, acknowledge it. Understand that Christ is trustworthy. Understand that you are loved. You are you may now go forward in God's beautiful, amazing grace. Amen.